This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. I trust you're having a a great afternoon. Well, uh, as we know, school is not that far away. Another school year. The summer is winding down. And um, Claudette, I thought this sort of thing was a thing of the past. This whole idea of initiating uh, people, that sort of thing. It's like hazing, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, that had been making some headlines some years ago. You may remember all of that. Mm -hmm. Died down for a little while. Well, O'Donnell High School in Mount Pearl sent out a notification to parents uh, about uh, this uh, sort of a hazing or initiation type of uh, what do they call them scavenger hunt type of list came to their attention and they were so concerned about it they decided to send notification out to parents of students who especially those who are entering grade 10 this year because those seem to be the ones that are being targeted and um, I got a copy of the letter that was sent out to parents today O'Donnell High very concerned about this we're reaching out in advance of the upcoming school year as school staff have become aware of concerning activities taking place among our student body today. The administration has received information that a group of senior students have crafted a list of tasked tasks sorry designed to initiate some of our new students our grade 10 students in particular these activities are believed to be starting today they may continue beyond that point please be aware that these tasks encourage participants to in some cases commit acts of vandalism harassment exploitation abuse or other activities deemed to be criminal sexist racist in nature or could have health related consequences i have a list of the uh i have a list of the uh, i have the list and it is well first of all your first thoughts are it's stupid yeah it's immature criminal in some aspects it's gross mm-hmm. it's ridiculous uh and yeah a lot of this would be criminal if anyone gets caught and as you get to a certain age, the consequences are pretty serious. So the message really needs to get out to those people who might be um, encouraged to do those. You know, I, I understand why they would send the letter out to parents to, for the kids to be on guard, but also some sort of a message needs to go to those who were asked to do it in the first place. Well, RNC have been notified, according to mm-hmm. O'Donnell. Uh, they're taking this very seriously. Uh, and it just uh, goes to show that, uh, you know, this kind of thing doesn't really go away. I mean, and you can see the type of list that it is. You can see whoever put this together is going, ho, 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 you know, ho, 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 when they're putting this together. But uh, boys, come on. Seriously. Really? Uh, I very much doubt that any grade 10 would be involved in any of this kind of nonsense. Uh, but who knows? Anyway, uh, this, uh, it says, uh, while we may be on summer holidays, the safety of our students and our community is our priority at all times. Furthermore, these activities may lead to consequences for some students when they return to school. As an example, student participation in initiation activities is prohibited through the school athletic policy, and the district has zero tolerance 
policy. All families should be aware that participation can impact a student's ability to participate in the school academic program. Uh, program. So yeah, there's some references here to a teammate, uh, you know, do this uh, blah, 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 teammate thing. So um, uh, it may be related to a particular sport. I don't know. But uh, if you are aware of this list, if you know of anybody who is participating in this kind of list, uh, the RNC might be interested in talking to you, and uh, so would O'Donnell High, and they're encouraging students just to uh, ignore this and be aware that they have a zero-tolerance policy. There could be consequences when uh, students go back to school if they're caught doing this kind of thing. So uh, that's just uh, something to be aware of. We have a couple of calls coming in and we'll be happy to take those calls after the break if at all necessary what we will do right now is we will take a short break and when we come back uh if those aren't uh oh hang on now somebody wants to talk all right <laughs> we'll go straight to the call then uh hello caller hello. hi how are you not bad that's good what's on your mind yeah you're talking about uh stuff going on free initiation yeah uh it happened yesterday the Holy Spirit and CBS. Is that right? Yeah, a guy I work with, uh, he was on two mornings yesterday of taking the day off because his, his young fellow was going to grade 12 and he, he had a big list there of the stuff that he had to do and he had to pick so many things on the list to do, to do, to for the initiation. And I can tell you some of the things if you want me to tell you. Uh, that's fine. I have a, a list in front of me, and they are disgusting. Yeah, and anyway, one of them was that the young fellow don't drink. He's not old enough to drink, and he had to drink shots of different stuff. And he said his son came home last night. He, he couldn't hardly walk through the door, he, and he's only 17 years old. So, I think I, I, I think it's time for uh, foolishness. That's why you, that's what I call it foolishness. Absolutely. And so you say this was at Holy Spirit and CBS? Yes, it was. Yeah. And like to uh, to go in the homeware store in CBS and have to urinate in the toilet that's set up for display. Like, come on, that's, that's not right. And something who would come up with that stuff, right? Yeah, and that's just one of the milder, milder things. Believe it or not, there's a, there's a list here that's just uh, beyond. Yeah, yeah. And my young brother won't be going to Holy Spirit anytime soon, but I know if he was, he wouldn't be doing it because I wouldn't allow it to happen. I, yeah, I it. Care it what consequences he would have to face? But I, I would take it in my own hands that is no, he's not going to be doing this stuff. Running, running naked, like on a street, you know. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous, and uh, um, the fact that a, a, a child would uh, feel compelled to do any of these things is is even more troubling in my mind. Yeah, well, this uh, the guy I work with said his his kid was frightened to death. He said. Uh, because he didn't know what consequences he would have to suffer if he didn't do it, right? So, but anyway, it's, uh, it's immature, 
and like you said, it's disgusting, filthy, and whatever adjective you want to describe it. But my young fella won't, won't be doing it. I really appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, so that gentleman there saying a similar type of initiation thing going on at uh, Holy Spirit and CBS earlier in the week. This is O'Donnell supposed to be today. You know if that's two schools, there's many more schools doing the same thing. Of course. Or, yeah. or student bodies, I should say, doing the same thing. So parents, be vigilant, be aware. Uh, make sure that uh, if you're kids are getting this sort of thing through social media or being texted this kind of garbage uh, that they know the difference and they know what the consequences could be uh, this this nonsense is is not funny it's and not. I, I'm assuming not that you and the caller didn't are not mentioning most of the things because you don't want to kind of put the ideas out there as well, right? Oh, yeah. well, a lot of them yeah. I can't actually say on the air because it's that because of CRTC regulations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, that's how bad they are. Uh, I actually can't repeat them. So that's how bad they are. It's it's really gross. I could show it to you yeah. <laughs> if you want to I mean, see it. I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know. Once I see it, I can't uh, unsee, unsee it, it and exactly. not think about it. So. Anyway, be aware of that. Um, when we come back after the break, we're going to have a chat about uh, artificial intelligence, would you believe? Um, some very interesting uh, new research being conducted there. Uh, so uh, join us after the break, won't you? Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And we're back. Well, a new national research study by the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research, or CIFAR, suggests that Canadians are so caught up with playing with new AI tools that they're, consider they're not considering the full scope of AI's risks and its opportunities. Elisa Strom is the executive director for the Pan-Canadian AI Strategy, and she joins me now. Well, hello, Elisa. Hi, Linda. So, uh, I guess, first of all, uh, tell us what the Pan-Canadian AI strategy is. Sure. So, uh, in 2017, the Government of Canada launched the strategy um, as a way to really invest in and coordinate AI research and innovation across the country. So, you know, AI is a field that's been growing in leaps and bounds over the last five, seven, ten years. And Canada is actually one of the places where um, many of the groundbreaking advances in research have taken place over the last decade or so. And so, we had this great community of research really leading the world and advancing this area of technology. And so we wanted to make sure that we had a strategy to advance the technology and research training and innovation in that space to go along with it. So I work really closely. We have three national AI institutes that were established as part of the strategy. One in Toronto called the Vector Institute. Uh, in Montreal, it's Mila. And in Edmonton, it's Amy. So I work with my colleagues and researchers at those institutes as well as across the country uh, to advance AI research and training. So um, a new national research st study is titled Incautiously Optimistic. What does that mean precisely? Right. So, you know, we were sort of taking a little bit of a play on words with that one because um, what we said 
which we, we did um, a social media listening study and also analyzed what Canadians were searching online when they use Google search around AI. And what we found is that they're really, really excited, especially since the advent of ChatGPT. So Canadians are excited about the technology. They're playing with the new tools. They're trying them out. But what we found was that they didn't seem to have a very strong sense of, you know, the kinds of limitations that are associated with AI, the kinds of risks that are associated with it, and ensuring uh, that it's being developed and applied in ways that really benefit society, but also in ways um, that don't don't deliver any harm. So there's the incautiously part, and the optimism is all of the excitement and um, you know uh, people people using the technology and, and trying it out. Well, certainly, I've heard an awful lot of people who are giving it a try. But what are some of the downsides or, or risks that people may not be aware of? Yeah, great question. So um, one of the things about artificial intelligence, of course, that it's really built upon very, very large data sets. And if the data isn't really well representative of the community that it's trying to analyze, then we can start to see biases. So this is something that we've seen several examples over the last 10 years of applications where, for instance, AI was trying to do face recognition, but it wasn't very good at recognizing faces of women or people of color. And so that's, you know, the kind of bias in risk that we need to be aware of. I guess the other thing is, um, you know, really for people as consumers to be aware that as we're working on the internet, you know, our data is being used to develop and deploy AI applications. And people aren't always sort of thinking about that when they're interacting on their smartphones or um, working with applications or tools or even services like entertainment online. They're not thinking about how their interaction with the technology, their personal data in some cases for instance, in, in social media platforms, um, is being used to feed into AI algorithms. And so just being aware of the fact that, um, you know, we're all contributing to this ecosystem, even if, if we might not be aware of it on a day-to-day basis. So what are the potential, I guess, uh, problems inherent in that? Yeah, so when you have um, an AI system, for instance, that is maybe biased or not well representative of a specific population, then it's not going to come up with very good recommendations or solutions for that group. So, like, for instance, if you think about um, maybe an AI application that was designed uh, around healthcare, so an AI application that's designed to uh, detect cancer, maybe as an, as an example. Um, what you might find if, if you don't have enough people of a specific ethnicity or age group or gender, then it's not going to be able to make really valid predictions against that group. So that's something that we have to be aware of. And it's something certainly that developers are aware of and researchers are aware of and we're working hard to make sure. But I gave you a, a, a really sort of serious, um, you know, important example, but it's happening in um, all kinds of other areas as well too, if you think about the kinds of predictions um, that you get, for instance, if you're shopping online, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best recommendations for somebody in your region based on weather, based on what stores are even available, if the algorithm, you know, hasn't been trained on data that uh, includes people like you. So, uh, yeah, so I guess it's the the majority rules is that 
basically what that's you're it. saying? That's it. Right, exactly. But what we're, you know, that's just sort of one of the, the risks that people need to be aware of, that, that there are limitations, that it's not perfect. It's not uh, even any kind of magical tool, right? That it's it's a software approach to analyzing large uh, amounts of data and, and making recommendations and suggestions. And just always to be aware that when those uh, recommendations come out of an AI system, um, that we need to take them with a bit of grain of salt, right? Like we need to always um, put a little bit of thought and critical analysis behind them. And we see that with with chat GPT as well too, right? So people are using that system to, um, you know, uh, write reviews or to uh, generate um, new bodies of work or, or new knowledge or to ask questions. But you always have to uh, take the information that's coming out of these systems and really put your own mind to it. Is this something that makes sense? Is this uh, Does this match with my own understanding of, of the topic in the world? And so that's part of that incautiously optimistic piece too, is just encouraging people to be, uh, to provide or apply a critical lens to whenever they're interacting with AI systems. That's where we launched the course, by the way, Linda, is uh, that we wanted to provide a training opportunity for all Canadians um, to learn a little bit more about both the limitations but also the opportunities of AI and to have a, a better basic understanding of, of how it works. So it's available now on our website. It's cfar.ca slash destination AI or cifar.ca slash destination AI. And it's, uh, you know, a course that you take at your own own pace it takes four or five hours to do but it will teach you um, all of the ins and outs of AI some basic understanding of actually how the technology works those risks that we've been talking about but also the opportunities and, and that's why I'm in the field and I'm optimistic and excited about the field because actually the opportunities are really significant for AI to really benefit society but we have to make sure that um, you know we're, we're directing it in that in that direction. You mentioned the critical analysis, and we're at a stage now in in our lives where most of the information that we consume comes through the internet, and sometimes you know the source, sometimes you're not sure of the source. And uh, how much more difficult is it going to be to have that critical analysis as more and more of the information that we consume is going to be created through this means? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the the biggest risks, right? Is um, us as consumers and and receptors of information not knowing what and where to trust, right? And so I, I always encourage people to make sure that they understand the source of the information that is coming from a credible source. Um, when people are, for instance, even sharing information online, um, one of the rules of thumb that we try to encourage people to do is to sort of stop and think before they before they share and send. You know, before you share something, ask yourself, you know, do I trust this source? Do I do I believe this information? Is this uh, a credible piece of information that I'm sharing? So that's something that you should consider um, as you're sharing information on, on online and as you're receiving information online as well, too. That's easy to say, but a lot of people just want to, you know, it's confirmation bias, I think is the term, you know, mm -hmm. I feel this way about these things and this is saying exactly how I feel, so therefore it must be true. 
It must be true, yeah. And I guess that's why, you know, we really need to have more conversations in the public sphere about, you know, these these challenges and limitations of the technology and, and how they can exacerbate misinformation and, uh, and disinformation as well. And so that's, again, another reason for people to take the course, honestly, uh, by you know, being interested in the topic and learning more about it, um, you're better equipped to participate in the conversation online about um, what these challenges are and, and be part of, of the solution and raising awareness about the, the challenges as well, too. It's a fascinating conversation. We're up to break now, but we'll, we'll continue um, this conversation on AI when we come back right after the break. Um, VOCM's Sarah Strickland waiting in the wings for uh, the 430 newscast. This is News Talk on VOCM. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And we're back. Well, we've been chatting with the executive director of the Pan-Canadian AI Strategy with the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research, or CIFAR, Alyssa Strom. And um, we've been chatting about some of the downfalls of AI technology. Now, there are a lot of concerns, especially in the creative community, artists, uh, writers, uh, you know, uh, performers, those kinds of things who are really concerned about how AI is being used and how it is, uh, you know, you know, whether or not it infringes copyright, that sort of thing, because it it really does glean from existing content. And, you know, if your content is copyrighted, uh, then, you know, what kind of laws? I mean, where are we when it comes to that whole aspect of uh, AI? It's a, it's a great question and certainly a big part of the, the conversation right now. So around uh, copyright, um, there actually isn't a lot of recourse, unfortunately, right now in our copyright laws, in our information laws um, that can protect artists and, and others from having their work embedded into these systems. So that's something to be really aware of um, for the users of these systems as well, too. Um, what we are seeing in the US, U.S., for instance, are class action lawsuits of you know groups of lawyers and, sorry, not lawyers, artists and creators coming together um, to actually uh, take on a class action lawsuit for some of the developers of these technologies that have embedded their original copywritten works into into the algorithm. So that seems to be what's available to people right now. But I will say that this policy space is really shifting right now, and there's a lot of conversation in Canada, in the U.S., in the EU, around um, AI governance and policies and regulations about how and when and where AI can and should be used. And so I think we're at a really important time where um, this conversation is happening um, across borders, um, policymakers, researchers, uh, legal experts are coming together to actually say what are the shared principles and values that we have around how AI can be used and how do we, you know, all collectively agree on, um, you know, what's acceptable and uh, move forward in in a more positive way. Social media, I've already noticed, you know, social media is AI, I suppose. Um, And uh, I've already noticed a a lot of absolute garbage nonsense. Um, I studied art history and I've seen pictures claiming to be a Van Gogh and just nonsense, obviously created by AI, obviously getting some elements, but wrong, if you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. So, I mean, how... 
how do you uh, fight against that sort of thing? Yeah, I think we just have to encourage people to be skeptical, right? I think that is just sort of a, a good default position to take when we're looking at information that's coming at us on the internet. Be skeptical, you know, and use that that critical thinking function to really. Uh, consider whether or not um, what's being represented in front of you is is real or is you know how it's been attributed. Well, Alyssa Strom is the executive director of the Pan Canadian AI Strategy. We're going to take another break now, but when we come back, uh, some of the benefits, of course, and the opportunities that AI presents. This is News Talk on VOCM. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And we're back. Well, uh, AI or artificial intelligence might sound scary to some. And while there remain some serious concerns and cautions about the fast evolving technology, there are many benefits and opportunities as well. I'm in conversation with Alyssa Strom, Executive Director of the Pan-Canadian AI Strategy. And so what are the, I mean, what are the beneficial applications of AI? I'm thinking in terms of like healthcare, for instance. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, as I said, like there are actually so many amazing and important ways that AI is going to really deliver positive benefits and outcomes to society. We can't get sort of too bogged down in in those limitations and we have to remember to keep developing the positive aspects. And so absolutely, healthcare is one of those places where AI tools are, are going to be essential really to helping us develop more efficiencies in our healthcare system, to be able to diagnose and treat uh, diseases and conditions more effectively and overall to be able to you know manage people's health care and, and deliver better health care um, for people all around the world and, and in Canada another important application um, is around climate change so that's an area that we've been working with researchers across the country on thinking about how can AI be applied more effectively maybe even at a larger scale around uh, issues related to sustainable energy in the environment and I think that we have a great opportunity in that space Transportation is another area. If we can optimize and find more efficiencies in our transportation of goods uh, across the country, that's a way to reduce uh, carbon emissions, for instance. Or think about uh, applying transportation uh, AI to transportation issues like around traffic and managing and understanding traffic patterns and be able to predict alternate routes and, and uh, you know, when and where uh, construction, you know, is going to be effectively uh, the best time to, to happen. So some real, like, everyday examples and areas that also really impact um, individual people's lives. I think um, we have an opportunity to really use this technology to make improvements in, in how we operate in this world. And so that's the important focus that I want people not to lose sight of. So how do you develop policy then to um, accelerate or, um, uh, you know, make better these types of applications that will help all of our lives and yet protect privacy, um, you know, ward against a criminal element that might be uh, using this type of technology to get the better of us all, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really important that um, the policy development and understanding of, you know, the, the necessary regulations and frameworks is happening, you know, 
you know, equally as uh, quickly as the advancing in the technology and the research. So, you know, making sure that the AI is being applied to areas that really matter really starts with research, the kinds of research that happens at our AI institutes and at, at universities all across the country, really, you know, investigating and understanding how AI can make a difference for these important areas. That's really, really critical. But we also, we have to take the research out of the labs, right? We have to make sure that it's being applied um, in the in the context where it's going to make a difference. And so partnerships with healthcare systems, with hospitals, with uh, provincial and territorial governments uh, is really critical to um, really collaborating and coordinating the development and adoption of AI within our healthcare system. But at the same time, as we're you know working hard on, on these new applications and, and advancing the research, we have to be working on the policy side. And so certainly provincial governments um, are really considering policy, but the federal government has done a lot of work already in this space. We have new legislation that is under consideration uh, by the House of Commons um, to manage the the risks um, and the the potential harms of AI, and so that's currently making its way through through the parliamentary process. Uh, yeah, and uh, as we know, sometimes uh, those wheels move a little slower than a lot of us anticipate. Uh, can governments ever be, you know, fully up to speed in in putting together these types of policies and keeping up uh, with yeah. the evolving technology? Great question. So certainly, this this first instance is is going to you know not be ready as soon as we need it, right? We we need it now, and it is moving through the process. It'll be it'll be ready, you know, in a matter of months, which is great. Um, but one of the things that I really like about the legislation that's been developed is that it's. Um, based on principles. It really talks about um, the kinds of um, risks that are acceptable and those that aren't acceptable at the principles level, right? So um, it's it's helpful because as the technology evolves and changes, um, we don't have to specify that, you know, the law doesn't apply anymore because, in fact, um, it, it very much can. And a lot of the details will be developed in a much more flexible framework when we get down to regulation. So I think the approach that has been taken is, is um, really helpful. And then the other thing that we've been doing, of course, is that we're starting to see uh, communities of researchers and other AI practitioners come together to say, um, this is an acceptable code of conduct. So these are the kinds of um, frameworks and principles that we'll adhere to voluntarily. So they're not laws or legislation, but that communities of developers are saying, we believe in in doing um, developing and applying AI in the right way. And so we're going to stick to these principles um, in in the work that we do. Alyssa Strom, it's a fascinating conversation and uh, and emergent technology. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Fraser, very much for having me. I just want to remind people that the website is cfar.ca slash destination AI. And uh, Lisa Strom, of course, is the executive director of the Pan-Canadian AI Strategy. And I don't know if it's been the weather or what's going on, Claudette. We've, we've had a lot of traffic issues today. We have. And uh, the latest is uh, reported of a T-bone accident, uh, vehicle accident on Briar Avenue. That's where it meets New Pennywell Road. Traffic is congested in the area if you're coming down over Briar and heading towards it. Uh, police are on the scene. Fire trucks, a tow truck 
uh, has removed one of the vehicles that was in the roadway, but there's still one still in the road. So expect uh, delays in that area. Briar Avenue, where it meets uh, Pennywell Road, new Pennywell Road. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple of intersections there. Uh, you know, you're coming down over that hill yep. at speed. And you're coming down towards that um, walkway there. I'm often rarely worried about what could happen there. Um, and you've got these two streets that are coming out onto um, this basically it's, a highway. It's <laughs> quite busy. Uh, and, and it's very busy, yeah. And, and the speeds um, are up. So doesn't surprise me at all that there may have been an incident there. Uh, it's... Uh, Always, I always go through there you know, very vigilantly, <laughs> yes. I will say. Um, uh, just a little update now on the wildfire situation in Canada, because Canada is, well, has been on fire since, what, May? Um, chief, and I don't mean to make light, it's, it's a horrific situation. The chief of BC's West Kelowna Fire Department says the wildfire conditions in that area are exponentially worse than expected. Homes currently ablaze after a devastating overnight battle with a wildfire that has already destroyed a significant number of properties uh, in that community. Jason Brulin says first responders became trapped while rescuing people who failed to heed evacuation warnings as the McDougal Creek wildfire advanced rapidly towards the community of 150,000 people. Some area highways have been closed due to the threatening wildfires. That's BC in West Kelowna. Yellowknife of course also dealing with that a a city of a similar size, 100 to 150,000 people. Uh, Yellowknife being described as a ghost town as residents leave to escape a wildfire burning near the territorial capital. Kieran Testart has been going door to door checking on people and says the evacuation has been orderly so far. He says one grocery store and a pharmacy remain open as well as a bar where exhausted workers have been gathering at the end of long shifts. Thousands have fled the city of 20,000 people via land and air since the evacuation order was issued earlier this week. So that's the uh, situation in uh, both BC and the Northwest Territories. Now, uh, we spoke about this off the top of the show, and that is the fact that uh, school uh, is reopening. And we talked a little bit about this uh, warning from O'Donnell High about this um, scavenger hunt, for want of a better word. Absolutely ridiculous set of things that they're asking people to do, especially uh, new students at um um, O'Donnell heading into grade 10 and we heard about a similar situation in Holy Spirit apparently yesterday but there's a lot of good stuff that goes on with back to school and uh, it's an exciting time people buying uh, their back to school I can remember Claudette can you remember I <laughs> You know, you know having your little pencil case and your new pencils. And did you sharpen them before you went to school or did you not? Oh, <laughs> I had a brand new sharpener, but I also had a fancy one at home. The thing that I remember the most would be the clothing. And it would be, I think it was Lady Foot Locker with one of these like cloth uh, things that were wrapped around and formed a necklace. I remember wearing one of those and going to school with a really tight perm. So those were the days. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, the tight perm. <laughs> I remember it well. What a look that was. What a look. It's one of those ones where you go, Mom, can I look at your yearbook? It's like, no. No, no thank no, you. No, I don't need to give you any more fuel yes. for that fire. But uh, we are in the midst of the VOCM Block the Bus campaign at the Village Shopping Center. Greg Smith has been giving us updates throughout the afternoon. How's it going, Greg? 
It's going quite well. I think the weather has certainly helped us today, and you're right. I mean, back to school time certainly isn't an exciting time, but as we know with the, the times we're living, the cost of living going up, it's also a very stressful time for a lot of families. So uh, we're happy to step up once again this year with the Single Parent Association to uh, try to alleviate some of that stress as we get closer and closer to that first school bill. So what are people bringing in, uh, generally speaking? Are they bringing in backpacks with stuff in it, backpacks, separate stuff, money? What are they doing? We're getting everything. You're right. Yeah, we've gotten backpacks with stuff in it. We've gotten uh, loosely some notebooks and calculators and rulers and pencils and pens and everything else uh, in between. And, of course, cash donations. We saw a number of groups stop by with uh, with some donations as well today uh, inside and outside of the Village Shopping Centre. Of course, we've been outside here with the, the Metro bus since about 1 o'clock uh, alongside Thompson Road, and people have been dropping by. We've had some uh, some appearances, some special people drop by, like Buddy the Puffin Jr. And then inside, we've been doing some fun stuff, too, with music and now with some live entertainment so we got a whole little fun family thing going on today while also trying to do some good absolutely and um you know what's the need like it's big this year. Uh, we were talking with Daniel Seward again this afternoon and, and over the last few weeks, really, of the Single Parent Association. And, and uh, last year, we were we were very fortunate to raise enough uh, you know, supplies to help fill 700 school bags to go across the province. But this year, uh, the wait list already looking at about 1,000 school bags needed. Uh, and, of course, we know that's uh, that's because of the cost of living. Really, we heard from Nancy Sneddon uh, earlier this week with uh, Jerry Ellen Mackey on your VOCM morning. $600 on average is what it costs to send a student back to school with what they need. So uh, you know that if you get a single parent family with one, two, or three kids, uh, that's, that's going to add up pretty quickly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a really big need, and it's getting more and more every year. And obviously it is a provincial reach. We're, we're hosting this here in St. John's today, but uh, this will be distributed across the province, and people are encouraged as well, if they're not in St. John's, to donate online, spanl.ca. Any items you need more than others? You know what? Everything really uh, works, but obviously, you know, the, the, the major hit list for any grade and any age, notebooks, pencils, pens, all that stuff, they always go well. Uh, scientific calculators are always a big item, Linda. Um, you know, they're expensive, obviously, but they're always a big item because uh, they're, they're in need. And, and as you get into the older grades, they uh, become much more of, a, I guess, a priority item than, than other things. So those types of things, but obviously backpacks are always important, too. You want to make sure that you have enough uh, backpacks to, to outfit people and then uh, get them filled. So Today, hopefully, we'll be able to do, you know, meet the demand that is there or get close to it. We'll leave the bins, actually. We talked about it this afternoon. We'll once again leave those bins for anybody who couldn't donate today to come by the Village Shopping Centre all weekend to, uh, to make those donations happen. What sort of people are popping by? Are they businesses? Are they families? Are they kids themselves? Again, a bit of everything. We had lots of kids by. I mean, they were excited to see Buddy the Puffin Jr. And, and Elsa was here earlier. We saw Chase and Paw Patrol here, so the kids were excited for that. Uh, so lots of kids, lots of uh, mom and dads and grandparents. We also saw a few businesses, uh, thanks to the Tim Hortons in the Village Shopping Center. They actually helped us out with some uh, treats and stuff for everybody stopping by and brought along some book bags and things. So, yeah, we're seeing a bit of everything from organizational groups and stuff. The uh, Freedom Veteran Riders on the Avalon were by with the $500 check. I mean, it really is like a community event. And, and yeah, all walks of life coming by. It's phenomenal. And where are you located? Uh, you're doing this for another hour or so, is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're going to keep the bus out to about 6 o'clock. So we're just alongside Tops Rose, uh, the entrance there where the buses usually turn up, I guess is the way to phrase it there in front of uh, the Village Shopping Centre. And if you go inside, we'll be set up there just by the elevators. There's a table there to make a monetary donation, check out some of the live entertainment. And it's a face painting. That's ongoing as well until 6. Fun! Are you having a good time? 
I am having a great time. The sun is out. I've missed the heat, and it's a, it's a great way to spend a Friday at work, let me tell you. <laughs> well, Topsail Road is doing better than Ken Mountain <laughs> because yeah. it's a bit overcast on Ken Mount Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we sold it all for the event. That's all. Well, listen, um, does this like bring back memories of your school days, Greg? It does. Yeah, it's funny, and you know, and it's sad to see the story there today with O'Donnell High. Obviously, that's that's where I kind of went to high school, and we had none of that stuff when we were growing up. So sad to see that stuff in the news today. But it does bring you back to the to the school days. You get to see the kids, and you're talking to some of the kids coming by the day, and ask them what grade to go into, and if they're excited to go back. And you know, you're gonna get to the phone. No, I'm not excited. No, not at all. But you get some kids that are really excited to get back and see their friends. And, and you know, I got a little fella. He's only 16 months old, but I was thinking about it all afternoon. But don't be lying now. I'm going to be taking him to school and getting his supplies already. So, won't yeah, be long. About, yeah, it won't be long at all. So, yeah, um, it, it's a pretty cool event to be involved with, obviously, for, for that. You know, you get to think about your own memories. And, and now, for me, I get to see what, what's ahead for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I was one of those kids that dreaded the end of summer and, and the beginning of school. I just, oh, I, I still get the same feeling now as uh, an adult. And my school days are long past. Uh, but, um you know that first day of school i have to admit i was always excited yeah no first day of school i, I was never a fan of school either and uh, but the first day once you get to once you get up and you get through you know <laughs> the morning routine for the first time you get in there and especially now your friends yeah there's nothing better than that and uh, you, you remember those times you can see what buddies you got in your homeroom and all that good stuff so yeah it's an exciting time for sure and obviously as mentioned at the top it's a bit of a stressful time for mom and dad uh, across the province trying to get those school supplies so if you're around till six bring on a donation or pop on one make a donation monetary donation of the spanl.ca and uh, that's at the village shopping center till six o'clock and you're still accepting as you said donations uh beyond that point but the the bus is there till six so why don't you pop down and uh, make a donation thanks so much greg no, thanks, and I appreciate it. And um, that's it for us now. Uh, we're into the weekend, so uh, do take care. Be careful. Try not to cough on the air. That was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have these buttons for reasons. <laughs> yes, it was so smooth. Nobody would have noticed. If <laughs> I hadn't great. said so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm coughing all the time now, so, so <laughs> that button comes in real handy. Uh, anyway, take care, everybody. Have a great weekend, and uh, uh, join us. Do join us again now on uh, Monday. Thanks for listening.